Welcome to my podcast, Katie's Journey. I'm your host, Kaylee Dwyer, aka KD. This show is designed for the lifelong learner, the curious brain, and the person who's probably always asking why. You'll be joining me on my journey as I meet new people, try new things, and gain the valuable insights of others as I explore my professional career. So join me on this journey if you're interested in doing the same. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 21 of KD's Journey. As some of you have been following along, I'm going through everything I learned at the 2021 Outbound Sales Conference, sponsored and hosted by Sales Gravy. Now, what I will be going over today is everything that I learned at the first in-person portion of this conference. And it was held at the Georgia World Congress Center. And this conference was actually one of the first in over 18 months hosted at that center, which might I add, is absolutely massive. I've never been there, but it was absolutely an experience that I will not forget. So I'm excited to go back. But okay, day one of the first uh, first in-person conference. So really fun time. And honestly, the inner anxiety is like, oh God, a ton of faces that I don't really know. In a post-COVID world, what does this look like? I haven't been out in public. It really wasn't that bad. Honestly, I walked into the networking area where you have coffee and bananas and different fruit all before the conference starts. I walked in and I noticed some faces that are familiar to me through LinkedIn. And I'm like, wow, isn't this just so absolutely wild that we feel like we know people so well? And then you meet them in person and you're like, wait a minute, I think I only know you from your online self. I don't know. I just can't get over it. I still keep thinking about it. I cannot get over it. So if you experience the same type of reactions in a post-COVID world, then absolutely let me know because this was my first time doing so. So uh, it was pretty interesting to to be there and experience that. I'm going to dive into a ton of insights that I learned at the conference, and it's not going in order of how I listened to them throughout the day. So I'm going to start off with a story that happened at lunchtime. I'm not going to lie. The coffee there was uh, not for me. I I need something a little bit stronger with many, many more shots of espresso. So I was on a hunt to find some caffeine by the time lunchtime rolled around. So, you know, I got on an electric scooter, downloaded the Bird app. Uh, I thought it was pretty cool that Atlanta has these scooters just randomly lying around. It's pretty convenient. So I got on a random scooter. I was like, sweet, there's a Starbucks. I'm going to go there. And Starbucks wouldn't be my first choice, but you know, you got to deal with what you got. So I jumped on my uh, my scooter and I started scooting myself to Starbucks. This is pretty embarrassing, so I don't even know if I want to share it. These are electric scooters. Yes, electric. So what does that mean? You hold something down on the scooter and it jets off into the night or the daytime, whatever. But yes, it's an electric scooter. My dumbass is on this scooter. Like I've never been on a scooter in my life. An electric scooter, might I add again. And I am pushing it and I'm like, God, this is such a workout. My legs are exhausted. I was like, awesome. I haven't been able to work out. So two birds, one stone, go get some coffee, push myself across Atlanta. And then I had a phone call with Matt. This was after I found that the Starbucks was actually closed and it was heartbreaking. So found a Dunkin' Donuts and I was like, okay, well, I still have some time at lunch. So I scootered my way through the Olympic Park right there and manually scootered my way to Dunkin' Donuts, which was about a half mile up the, uh, up the street. So I'm having a phone conversation with Matt and I'm like, oh my God, my legs are exhausted. (laughs) 
And he goes, wait, isn't it an electric scooter? I kid you not. This was the moment, the moment in my life where I was like, wow, I truly was not thinking (laughs) at all. I don't even know what was driving me to think that an electric scooter is not in fact electric and that I just need to scoot myself across town. Meanwhile, all these people are zooming past me and I'm just dumbfounded. Like what? Do I even have a brain? So enough of bashing myself. I got Dunkin'. Uh, Actually, while I was in Dunkin' Donuts and ordered my coffee, there were these two women that were standing in front of me in line and I wanted to stab myself in the eyes. Not only did they change their order like 18 different times, the Dunkin' Donuts guy wanted to die. I wanted to die. I was in a rush. I was going to miss the first session. And these girls have no idea what to order. It was incredibly infuriating. Then, when they finally decided what the hell they wanted, they didn't have any money and started, and I've done this before, put coins on the counter. And, you know, in that moment, it just fueled my fire of, oh my, you got to be kidding me. So, long story short, they were, they, they finished their stuff. They left. It was my turn to order. The Dunkin' Donuts guy looked at me like, I'm sorry. And I was like, no, I'm sorry for you. And as he's making my caramel macchiato with an extra shot of espresso, I see a man walk into the Dunkin' Donuts, snag two Powerades, and then walk out. And I was like, uh, am I on a prank show? Am I on a prank? Do they know that he just stole that? Is this a thing? Does he have permission? You know, thinking the best of people. Well, he didn't have permission and I ended up telling on him because why not do that in Atlanta, you know? Like, I just saw someone steal two Powerades. What could anybody do without those two Powerades? I told the Dunkin' Donuts guy because this guy's having a day. He's having some long orders. Now he just got his Powerades stolen. He's going to have to account for them in his inventory. I feel bad. Now I'm going to be late. I tell the guy, he's like, oh my goodness, this guy comes in every single morning and walks out with these Powerades. And I stop and I think to myself, you know, maybe if you moved the uh, refrigerator away from the door, it would be further away and you'd be more likely to monitor that refrigerator. So I suggested that naturally. And he goes, it's not, he, he basically told me it wasn't his decision. And I totally understand that you're working at a Dunkin' Donuts. So understand because the, the powers to be decide where those refrigerators go. But, you know, they just lost two power rates. So Dunkin' Donuts... In Atlanta, there's thousands of you, but, and I don't know exactly where I was, (laughs) by the Georgia World Congress Center, please move your refrigerator. I want you to keep your Powerades. So anyway, they, he called the police and I was like, well, I got to scoot on back to the conference. So causing the trouble that I did, I was like, oh no, this is a long walk back to the conference center. So I looked at my scooter and I looked at it almost almost like, please don't let me fall. And I powered on my app, the handy dandy bird app, powered it on, powered on the scooter. I got on that baby and I scooted right away. It was not easy. And the sidewalks, depending on where I was, started to pose a bit of a challenge for my balancing act. But I held on to my large caramel macchiato with an extra shot of espresso And I balanced that baby all the way back to the Georgia World Congress Center, all the way through Olympic Park. No, you're not supposed to go through, uh, go with scooters through there. But did I do that? Yeah. 
Are you kidding? I'm not going to go around. I can't. I'm balancing my Duncan. I'm going to be late. So I get back to the uh, Congress Center and all these people are looking at me. They're like, oh my goodness, where did you get Duncan? And I was like, well, you got to have some special balancing skills and a knack for telling Dunkin' Donuts people that they just got something stolen from their store. And as I walked back into the Congress Center proudly with my Dunkin' Donuts, I then had to do the walk of shame back to my scooter. Do you want to know why? Because this happened to me at least 10 times in my entire time in Georgia. For this bird app, you need to confirm where you left your scooter, which, you know, I fully support, understood. You know, you don't want to lose your scooters. So I always forgot. Every time I used a goddamn scooter, I always forgot to go take a picture of where I left my scooter. So I'd walk like almost all the way to my destination, all the way to my seat in the main area where the event was going on. And I'm like, are you kidding me? So I had to walk back out. And of course, all the smokers that are out there are like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm just here for my freaking scooter. You know, actually, I was going to just say that that wasn't that big of a deal. But honestly, it was because it happened 10 different times and I did not learn from my mistakes. So as you can see here, the theme of Kaylee having rational thinking is just non-existent. So you can imagine my frustration at my brain just not working. Luckily, my brain worked enough to, you know, absorb some information at this awesome conference. And the first person to go on, someone that that I now really just want to be friends with, is Sherry Levitin. This is the first session that I'll review. And Sherry talked specifically about the adaptive seller. And I thought this was well suited to open up this conference in particular, understanding that we've all needed to become a little bit more adaptive over this past year. So um, a little fun facts for you. 62% of customers learn independently online and offline. So how does this tie into what the hell I'm talking about? So Sherry started bringing up the fact that as opposed to in the past where you know, people that are prospective buyers are learning about your service only when they meet with you. But now we have so many, so much access to so many different things on the internet that, like I said, 62% of customers learn independently online and offline. So they are learning that information even before they're coming to you for a conversation. So this almost puts the seller at a disadvantage because, you know, they already are fully loaded with all of the information that is applicable to them. So with 62% of their time spent educating themselves, 17% of that time is spent engaging with suppliers, i.e. sellers. So that's pretty insane. That is not a large percentage. And then you take into consideration how long the buying cycle is for some uh, organizations. And you're like, wow. So our prospective clients are coming in truly well aware in some cases, I'm not going to say this is for all cases, truly well aware or at least have the ability to look online and gather all of the information that's relevant to them so that when they're coming to the call, they know exactly what their objectives are. They know exactly what they're there for. And there's not much room for uh, ambiguity or question asking as there was in previous years where we did not have as educated as a buyer because, you know, they, they didn't have access to the internet. So I'm talking back back before pre-internet another interesting fact for you there are 11 average stakeholders nowadays so we all know that people would rather make no decision than the wrong decision 
and trust is at an all-time low. You want to know who are the least trusted of all professionals? Well, one is pretty obvious. Politicians. And then it's salespeople. So that sucks. So now, as the second least trustworthy person on planet Earth, the salesperson, we have not one, not two, not three, but 11 stakeholders to understand their specific goals out of whatever solution you're proposing, and you need to understand how that will affect each one of those stakeholders positively in order to move your deal along and increase your chances of ultimately closing that deal. Well, I, you know, this pretty much shocked me. I was like, wow, and that has a lot of truth to it. So we need a blend. Selling today is omni-channel approaches. And so you know what? When salespeople, if you're listening to me and you do email blasting like crazy and it's totally automated and not personalized whatsoever, you are one of the contributing factors as to why we're not trusted. And that was pretty aggressive, but really. Omni-channel approaches. That's what Sherry discussed. And it really resonated with me because I've been um, trying to leverage an omni-channel approach ever since I've entered into the sales world. Current sales processes have not adapted to these changes yet. When you're doing doing something different, like sending a video message or similar to omni-channel approaches, if you're going through LinkedIn or you're on Facebook, you're on Instagram, wherever your ideal, wherever your ICP is and, and it's on a social platform, you are taking an alternative approach to the norm, which is email and phone calling. However, Sherry then suggested some four four adaptations we need to make in order to keep up with change. And I'll share them with you here. It's called Cave. And no, I'm not going to start describing a caveman because we are salespeople. Sorry, I'm really aggressive today. Cave is connect, ask, value, engage. So let's break it down. C, connect. Social distancing offers new opportunities to access customers through technology. That's awesome. So take that as adaptation number one. Two, ask. You need to identify all stakeholders. Profile all stakeholders. Do you know their cat's name? And then consider the political landscape. You have to help navigate, gain consensus, and sell to number two. You need to leverage video. And now you need to ask 11 stakeholders. You need to get creative. You need to start switching it up or you will get left behind. It's the type of questions that you're asking that also matter the most as well. So after you bring that bring that prospective customer to the table, you are meeting with those 11 stakeholders. You need to ask great questions. So Sherry calls something a skin question. And these are surface level questions, facts, all things that you can find online. Nothing that's differentiating you from the competition. The next is a bone question. The bones. It's a little deeper than the skin. So let's put our brains together here. This is a framework for your entire sales conversation. Similarly, it's the framework for, you know, how we are uh, here as humans. We have some bones. This is our framework. So these questions reveal problems or implications of those problems. The heart. That's next. So the heart questions. The place where sales are made. In a post-COVID world, it's the only place sales are made. How will your solution matter to them as a human? Their life. Their goals. This is the why to each question that you're asking. This is finding out what drives each stakeholder. 
the heart. Just think of the, I honestly, this is a fantastic way of breaking down questions that you're asking just to interject myself. Because as I was listening to Sherry describe this, I was like, wow, I feel like I have sometimes I'll catch myself with a lot of skin questions. And the fact of the matter is I need to be at the bones and the heart. But then here's something even greater, the connective tissue. Okay, so a connective tissue question is a question that gives you the criteria for how the organization makes decisions. So it's great if you're asking the heart questions, you know the why, you know the drives, you know the goals. But if you don't ask the connective tissue questions with so many different departments, so many different criterias for selecting a vendor, so many different buying processes, I don't know, then your deal might not be as strong. So here's the tip from Sherry. Get an internal champion. Introduce yourself to other departments that you know that you'll be working with. Do this proactively. Those are the types of questions that you should be asking. Skin, heart, connective tissue, and bones. I don't know why I said bones last, but and bones. So let's get back to cave. So far we went through connect and ask, and now we're going to go to value. Sherry describes value as being a helping brand. Give your customer a framework to purchase a product like yours. Be a helper, not a pusher. Be an advisor. Connect customers to information they're unlikely to find on their own. So let's go back to the fact I said earlier. 60% of buyers are doing their education online. They are basically through the buying process before even talking to you. Make it valuable by telling them information that they can't just find in a quick Google search. And then develop a plan for which information and resources are provided to the customers. What would they find valuable? Do you have two weeks in between your next call? What can you send them in the meantime that'll help support them in the current challenges that they've already told you about? That's what Sherry means. Value. Focus on value. Always. Okay. The E in cave. Engage. It is so easy for people to get distracted. My little brother stayed at my house for two weeks And I swear, this kid is like, I'm on classes. You go over and he is on a different browser playing a game. Uh, Well, hate to break it to you. The work from home environment has led to distraction. In the first two months of being at home, I saw all my recent college grad friends that also got full-time jobs on their computers enjoying life and then having a huge flat screen TV behind them and they're playing a video game. Adults. These are adults. Barely. And this is what people are doing. Now, I'm not saying that every person is doing this or every employee is taking advantage of the work from home life, but people are just overall distracted. Emails going off every five seconds. Do you know how many emails your customer is getting from people just like you? So make their time worth it and make the time valuable that you do have them on the call and understand that people only retain 10% of what they hear. But the more of the five senses that you can use when you're communicating to a customer, the likely, the more likely that they're able to engage and buy from you. So the five senses is pretty tough when you are in an adaptive selling environment. So AKA virtual. So you got to get creative. Like I said, use video, give visuals, send them something, send them a gift, make your buyer know that you appreciate them that you value their time, that you value everything that they've told you so far, and that you respect their trust. At the end of the day, it's a relationship. So engage with them 
and ultimately it'll also support the end goal of avoiding easily distracted people. Okay, so I'm going to transition since we just went through cave. The three types of behaviors of a seller, they're all different. So if you identify yourself as one of these, let me know. There's the giving type saying, I can get you a lot more information on that. If you know Donna St. Louis and her sales training, she coaches this to the curious cat or the newbie, the person coming in asking, what makes it different? What is it? Why do I need it? Or they're looking for quantities, qualities. Why is it different? Or they're a Seymour. Notice all of these three are not anything, not any type of person that's yet ready to buy. So, or they could be a Seymour asking for more marketing information. They need more things to put in their back pocket before making a decision. So if you're the giving type of seller, you'll be the person to be, I can get you more information on that and return it back. And odds are you won't hear back from that person. Or you can be the telling type of seller. You can tell your prospect, let me tell you what you need. Let me tell you what you need to know and nothing more. Let me be your only source of information. And then there's the sense-making type of seller. Now, this is approaching your buyer and saying, hey, listen, there is a lot of information. Let me help you make sense of it. I'll teach you how to buy a product like mine, and here's what you should consider. This is being an advisor. You're, you don't want to coach someone to strictly look at your product under a spotlight as if it's the only thing on the planet because it's not. It's not. There are new things, new inventions, new everything popping up on a daily basis that are absolutely flooding your potential buyer's brain. And they're flooding your brain too. You're affected by it as well. So I'm not just singling out everybody that's not a salesperson. We are all buyers in some sense of the way. So be a sense maker. Help your prospect gain a better understanding of what they're looking for. And you might discover that they're not actually looking for your product or solution and that it might make more sense for them to look elsewhere. Well, do you know what you do in that instance? You provide your prospective customer with as much information as possible to help them make the right decision, connect them with partners, connect them with organizations that you know will be able to support their specific needs. Help them. Because at the end of the day, if you lose the business, that's fine. You did your job. If that person did not actually need what you were selling and there wasn't a pain there, well, why would you have wasted your time and their time to go through an entire buying process only to reach that conclusion in three months instead of three days? So that was Sherry Levitin. Absolutely fantastic insights. Fantastic. This kicked off the start to the conference and I was like on fire on fire. It was ridiculous. I was so engaged and you know how people are easily distracted. What I just, what Sherry told us, I was not. I was seriously just staring and taking notes like a crazy person. And then Jeb, Jeb Blunt jumped onto the stage and he is the CEO of Sales Gravy. So he was doing a ton of presentations. He has a ton of fantastic books. Uh, I know he just came out with a new one called Virtual Training. Um, definitely recommend Fanatical Prospecting. That's the, the most recent one that I read, but I recommend all of his books for sure. So he jumped on the stage to run through Five Habits of Ultra High Performers and instantly my ears perked up. Even though Sherry had just jumped off, I was like, damn, I want to be an ultra high performer. Even though I feel like I am a pretty high performer, I want to be ultra high. 
So what's discipline? Jeb immediately jumped into this. This is sacrificing what you want now for what you want most. Think about that. Do you want a $500 pair or $500 pair of shoes? By the way, I've never spent $500 on a pair of shoes in my entire life. Probably a horrible example. But let's let's just use the shoe example. You're at the mall, you see these awesome shoes, they're 500 bucks. But you have goals and you have things that you're saving for and you have things that you want to do. Why would you spend $500 on a pair of shoes? It's not going to bring you anything other than the instant gratification of the shoe, of how they look. Same thing goes with making cold calls, sending cold emails, having meetings, whatever, prospecting in general. It's Friday afternoon. It's three o'clock. What you want right now is to get up, go outside and put some sun on your face. But what do you want most? To hit your quota and ultimately support the goals of your team and your organization. There are five types of disciplines that Jeb ran through, and it's probability discipline, time discipline, pipeline discipline, emotional discipline, and people discipline. I swear I've never heard anyone say more disciplines other than me and Jeb Lunt. <laughs> so we're going to run through these disciplines and kind of identify how you can become an ultra high performer. So I hope your ears are already perked up because this is good, good stuff. So the future is about blending. You need to, similar to what Sherry said, Omnichannel, you need to choose the communication channel at each step of the sales process that gives you the highest probability of achieving your desired outcome at the lowest cost of time, energy, and money. Let me repeat that. Choosing the communication channel at each step of the sales process that gives you the highest probability of achieving your desired outcome at the lowest cost of time, energy, and money. The game of sales is all about probability, people. High performers rely on probability. Ultra high performers, they leave nothing to chance. They are not placing those high bets. They are betting on high probability options. So probability and time go together. If you're spending your time on things that are low probability, well, you're probably not deciding, you're not making great time management decisions. If you spend your time on the right thing, then your income soars. Leave nothing up to chance. And Jeb Blunt said this so many times. Leave nothing up to chance. So remember those disciplines I was talking about? We're going to go over the emotional discipline right now. The person with the greatest emotional control has the highest probability of getting their desired outcome. Think about a toddler that throws a tantrum in the store. You know, they really wanted, let's go back to shoes. They really wanted shoes. And, you know, their parent was just like, nope, sorry, kid. The kid throws a tantrum. Now they are lessening their probability by so much about getting those potential shoes because they are throwing a tantrum. It's embarrassing and they got to leave the store. And now mom or dad's pissed. So in any conversation, the person with the greatest emotional control has the power in the conversation. So this is also personal life, too. You could think about that. So relaxed, assertive confidence. Jeb calls this RAC, rack. People lean into you. It's a form of leverage. Be relaxed, assertive, and confident. Have you ever heard of the universal law of need? The more you need to win, the more likely you are to lose. And this, beca- this happens because emotions are contagious. But going back to what I just described, relaxed, assertive, and confident 
you're not giving off that essence of need. So for putting putting this into, into perspective, at the end of the month, you're nowhere near your goal and you need to reach out to most, multiple customers to try and hit your goal. When you're conducting these conversations, you more than likely sound like you're full of need. You need something from them and you sound a little bit desperate. And you don't want to approach any prospective buyer like that because you can almost smell it. But when you are going and having those conversations in a relaxed, assertive, and confident way, the five most important questions that your buyers are asking and thinking about you is the question, do I like you? Do you listen to me? Do you make me feel important? Do you get me? And do I trust and believe you? It sounds really freaking deep, but that's the truth. That is what's going through people's minds. That's when you meet someone on the street. That's going to your hairdresser. That's just general questions that run through people's brains. And that's what your buyer is thinking. It's no different. For an emotional experience and generating that emotional experience, people will forget what you said, what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. So let me repeat that. People will forget what you said, what you did, but they will never forget how you made them feel. So moving on to a super impactful session that was done by Mark Hunter of The Sales Hunter. Uh, His last name is very fitting to what he does for a career. Um, This was an awesome session, so I'm going to jump right into it. And Mark instantly came on stage with so much energy, so much power, and he was just so confident in everything that he was discussing. It was crazy. He was a fantastic speaker. And he basically ran through the fact that transactional is out. If you're transactional, the internet is going to replace you. So don't sell the product, sell the outcome. So if transactional is out, then what's in? Relational. Relational is in. It's about building relationships. Everything that we just went back to. Then he dives right into what is sales leadership. And at a high level, sales leadership is about helping others see and achieve what they didn't think was possible. Sales isn't a, is, I promise you, it's not a job and it's also not a profession. It is seriously a freaking lifestyle. The amount of patterns that you need to start adopting, the, the lifestyle changes that you need to do in order to just have these qualities of an ultra high performer is radical. It really is a lifestyle. And once you make the switch, everything changes. Life seems more balanced. You feel like you have more control over things. You have a better idea of multiple things going on in your life at one time. And you feel like you have a handle on all of them. So this is something really cool that Mark said. And he has this rule called the 10 a.m. rule. By 10 a.m., he wants to accomplish something significant, whatever that is, just something significant. So by 10 a.m. and by 10.01, he can say, he can answer the question, what significant thing did I do today to move my sales forward? If from 10.01 on is shit, at least you accomplished something. So it's, it's playing little mind games with yourself. And that's something I've gotten really familiar with is just convincing yourself that it's fun. I was on a team meeting the other day and I told everyone when I get super just hating life making cold calls, I stare at my computer and I just smile. And just by smiling, my entire attitude almost completely changes and is right on its side. And I just feel a little bit better. And that's a mind game. I'm playing with myself alone in my office. What a freak. So Mark's challenge for the group before he jumped off stage was to take your goals to the next level and figure out your 10 and 15, oh, I'm sorry, 10 and 25 years year goals. Jeez. 
My God, in 25 years? I hope I'm a millionaire. <laughs> I think everyone says that. Um, or happy. That's that's good to say, too. Okay, the next, Victor Antonio jumped on the stage, and I swear I was dead. This was the funniest. I, I don't want to say that. Man, I was just going to say the F-bomb, but I, I don't... I can't bring myself to do it on a podcast. That was my inner brain talking. And that leading perfectly leads me into Victor Antonio's session, How to Sell. Now, he, do you know, do you guys all know that movie Inception? I'll just wait a second. Silent pause. Kaylee's thinking that you're probably thinking in your car. Yes, I've seen the movie Inception. What does it have to do with how Victor Antonio does his presentation? Well, he did a presentation within a presentation, and it was hilariously awesome. I was sitting and laughing at my seat like an idiot, but I was also learning so much because he talks about these concepts in such a simplified and almost comedic way that it's not simple or comedic at all. It resonates with you personally, and I believe that it's so strategically done that it it just exudes experience in being a professional speaker and sales coach and everything everything of the above. But so first, Victor walks through moments of influence, what they are and how to identify them. So he lists five things, the transition zone, consumer velocity, interception rate, touching the arm, and then in the endowment effect. So the one that I found most interesting, I'm not going to run through all of these because like I said, I'm pulling out the things that I thought were most valuable to share here on this podcast. If I was going to tell you about the entire conference, I would tell you to buy a ticket because it's fully worth buying a ticket. So I'm going to just talk about the endowment effect. Um, This piqued my interest, like I just said, and straight up, this is taking mental ownership of something. You have a hard time of giving it up. And I'm not going to lie. I have had this thought in my head since I got back from the con- the conference, and I'll explain it right now. Wow, I just stuttered through that entire sentence. I have no water near me, so I'm pretty much dying. Take mental ownership of something. You have a hard time of giving it up. There are so many moments of influence where you can use this strategy. So strategy number one, let's say I went to the Tacoma dealer, the to- oh my god, the Toyota dealer to get a Tacoma. And I got this fully souped up Tacoma. It looks sick. I got that car right in front of me. And then I see just the basic model Tacoma. And they tell me I can add blah, blah, and blah to make it however I want. But I had already seen the fully souped up Tacoma and I loved it. This one will obviously have the higher average price. And you you don't, in the sales process, you don't want to give anything up. You start high and move down. You can always take away. Always. Similarly, I see this fully souped up car and I'm like, oh my God, how much does it cost? They give me the price. I'm like, ooh, that's steep. And then I see the the base model. I see how many I have to add what I want, calculate the average price. Then I start considering, well, do I really need that? Because then you start seeing the lower price and those differences. You start asking yourself some questions and... It doesn't seem, it seems like too much of a headache. And then you look at the fully loaded car, the fully souped up truck. You're like, oh man, it has everything. I can make that price per month. I could definitely pick up an extra shift. I hope no one's saying that and that would be a poor decision. So, but anyway, you don't want to see things taken away from that car. You already saw what you could have. You know what? I'm not even going to explain that. 
I want you to take that and marinate on it because it makes a lot of sense when you think about it when how you go about selling your product or solution to a customer. However, if you're not selling someone something that they need or something that will solve a pain or challenge that they're having and you're just throwing things at the wall to see what sticks, I would definitely not recommend doing that. That's not a fully souped up Tacoma. That is just... I wanted to see a Tacoma and you showed me eight different junker cars. So don't do that. But if they actually need it and you're able to plan out a strategic plan that meets all of their challenges, reaches all of their goals, but it's way over their budget, well, you might want to consider showing them that, showing them what it could look like at that level of engagement. Or you could show show them the smaller option. And then at that point, once you start adding individual products or services, it starts to look like a whole lot more. And then they start asking the question, do we really need that? And that's definitely not a position that you want to be in because you can't really argue. Aside from saying, here's the fully souped up one now and, and now you've already seen the lowest price. I don't know. Something to consider. So that that was at a high level. Uh, where I really got hooked into Victor's to Victor's presentation. So he also said sequence matters. So he pointed to the left half of the left half of the room and he showed them an empty glass and then filled it up. He filled it up half full, I should have said that. He filled it up halfway and then asked the left left half of the audience, is this glass half full or is this glass half empty? And because he poured the water in right in front of them, half to half a glass, they said half full because he just poured, he just put some water into it. Then he looked at the right side of the room. That was my side. And same glass. He fills it up to the top and then he dumps out the top half, just leaving the bottom. And then he asked us, is this glass half full or glass half empty? And because he emptied the water right in front of us, and because of the sequence of how he did that, everyone responded, well, the glass is half empty. So sequence matters. That's the takeaway there. After Victor, another powerhouse jumped on the stage, and it was Meredith Elliott Powell. She's a business growth and leadership expert. I actually just watched a LinkedIn Live of Meredith Elliott Powell and Mark Hunter today. Um, and it was pretty cool. They were talking about economics going on in current society, what you should be looking out for. Um, yeah, highly recommend. Definitely go follow everybody I'm talking about on LinkedIn because they just have insights upon insights on a daily basis. So Meredith jumped on stage and similar to what I just said on their LinkedIn live conversation today, turning uncertainty into a competitive advantage. So if you manage change, if you manage change, then you're already behind. Change can be your greatest opportunity, but only if you see it coming. The second that you're managing change, you're behind. It's like saying being five minutes early is on time and being on time is late. So when when change is high, uncertainty is rapid. So let's put it into perspective. You're at an organization and there's a lot of change going on. People are leaving and it starts to generate an emotional response. And your uncertainty is really, it's, it's just widespread. The entire company is uncertain. Employees are uncertain because change is high. There's a lot going on. 
that generates more questions and emotional responses than than you would have preferred or would have typically experienced. Meredith suggests that you should leverage these factors to assess every quarter when times are calm. In moments where there's not a lot of change going on and the everything is fairly normal, you should assess the following. Society, competition, economics, politics, technology, industry, and customers. So she also discusses strategy on gaining insights to securing your organization. So since businesses grow from the inside out, in an uncertain marketplace, you honestly cannot help new customers until you understand what problem your existing customers have. Does that make sense? You should be interviewing your customers, having conversations with your customers, understanding what their entire business is like. How are they being affected by the current state of, honestly, the economy. For organizations that are kind of bouncing back in a post-COVID world, people likely don't have the same problems as they did pre-COVID. A lot has changed in the past year that has introduced a lot of different business issues that need to be addressed at the business level. Talk to 10 existing customers. That's actually a challenge that, that she challenged the audience with. 10 existing customers and ask them three questions. How's the business? What's your focus and what problems are you facing right now? Problems your customers have are problems that your prospects have. They're the one and the same. Your prospects are your prospective customers. So when you interview your existing customers, you essentially have all of your answers already within reach. So what this will enable you to do is to get relevant and solve the problem. What worked in March might not work in June, and what worked in June might not work in September. There's more changing on the outside of the business than the inside, which is why you need to look at how the business grows and how it changes, talk to the existing customers, understand what's happening on the outside, and then approach it. She broke down three different concepts, and it's called seeds, weeds, and needs. Seeds are, what are you doing that's working? Weeds are, what's weighing you down and preventing you from closing a deal? And needs are what are you doing that you're not doing that could change the deal. So she brought up needing to ask, having to ask those questions when you're assessing the business as a whole. And I think that's massively important. Moving on, I just sprinted through that. Art Sobzik, I think I'm saying his last name wrong. Dang it. Art Sobzik, Sales Success Secrets of Top Performers. This was a great one. So what does a top performer look like and what's their secret? Well, you need to be others focused. Put yourself in the customer position and ask yourself what they could possibly want. Or like we just suggested in Meredith's presentation, you could go talk to your customers. You want to be helping and not selling. You want to get information before you give it. You want to listen to understand and not just to listen and wait your turn. They're a sales professional, not just someone who does sales. That is a secret of a top performer. So going back to uh, one of the other presentations I just ran through, being in sales is a lifestyle. It seriously takes over your entire life from just a gaining better habits perspective. So that's a secret of a top performer. It's your identity. It's not just an action. And it's more important than goals. Asking yourself, what is the identity or 
Yes. What is the identity I desire and what are the habits of a person who's already at the level I want to obtain? So more important than goals is identifying a place where you want to be, finding a resource or help to get you along the way, and putting that at a place just out of reach that you're working massively hard for it. Art then goes through the two P's of listening. You want to have a purpose and you want to pause. They're saying something that's going to help you to have you help them. So listening with purpose is so important to make sure that you have a full understanding of exactly the challenges that they're sharing. The second P of listening is pause after you ask a question. Shut up. This is something that um, I have heard so much in the beginning of my career. Ask a question and shut up. And now it really makes a ton of sense. And then pause for one to two seconds after they answer. Two key things here. Make sure that you don't interrupt them. And if you actually pause, the person you're talking to might actually keep talking and give you better information. This was my longest podcast ever today. And I just went through all of day one of the 2021 Outbound Sales Conference. Tune in for episode 22 to see how day two of the Outbound Sales Conference went. I'm looking forward to telling everybody and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you!